This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and we're back! Yes! If uh, you have been a voracious follower of the Parenting for Faith podcast, you will know that we've had a bit of a break. Uh, unintentional break. <laughs> we were like, ah, we'll stop for summer. And then, ah, with September, like, we blinked and September was gone. And then I got sick. As you can hear from my voice, I'm still a little bit sick, but I couldn't stay away for long. So the podcast is back. Uh, I missed you very much. Thank you so much for those of you who wrote in and who have started adding in questions for the community. It is so exciting to be here. And so uh, today's podcast is about, well, we're going to talk about Comfort in Uncertainty, a new book that uh, I'm working on and why I started working on that book. Uh, We're going to be talking about a question that came in about um, my child has additional needs. Is it even worth going to church? Because I find that the uh, scenario is so difficult uh, for him to engage with. And um, uh, we have a, well, Becky I read a book called Mama Bear Apologetics, and she's got some thoughts. And so uh, we're going to talk about that. So let's get going. Um, I have just, I'm just about like so close to turn in uh, a new book, which will be coming out in early 2022, um, called Comfort in Uncertainty. Um, If you know the book Comfort in the Darkness, it is a story, it's a book of 16 biblical stories that explore who God is in the night, in sleep, and dreams. It's written to enable families to um, grab onto scripture, create a a theology of who God is in darkness and in night, and uh, sort of have the skills to coach our children through those moments. And uh, as, as soon as I was writing that, I really felt like I needed to write another one called Comfort in Uncertainty, looking at biblical stories of grief, of anxiety, and of change. And who is God in change? Who is God in anxiety? Who is God in grief? And uh, so I've just been writing that, and I'm just finishing off the little bits of the introduction and the sort of questions to facilitate conversations. And I, I just wanted to talk about it because, you know, right now we're still emerging from the pandemic, um, but we're still sort of in the midst of the uncertainty that that brings. You know, cases are going up, cases are going down, people we know are infected, travel is still, you know, a bit of a problem. You know, and our kids themselves are still coming out and reestablishing patterns. And the question becomes, you know, how how do we walk alongside of our children in uncertainty. And often we look for what will wipe away those feelings, what will wipe away the fear of grief, what will wipe away the fear of anxiety, what will wipe away the the fear and the worry that happens in change. And I'm not convinced that that is, um, that is a helpful hope. Because when I wrote Comfort in the Darkness, Comfort in the Darkness is, is about creating a theology of the night so that we can, in those circumstances, find our way through and out the other end. 
you know, it's rather than turning on the light, we find God's peace, that we make it through that difficult hour of getting to sleep, or we make it through that nightmare that we wake up through and, and refinding, and, and it's over in the morning. But uncertainty is, is different. It lasts longer. It is a journey rather than a situation that gets wiped away. There are some uncertainties that we're in, some griefs that we experience, some anxieties that we um, are walking through that don't just change tomorrow. They don't magically go away in the morning. We can't wipe it away. And so the journey is not to read them a story that makes them feel better. The journey is to equip our children to walk through uncertainty because whatever they're going through now is not the only time that they will be walking through this. It will not be the only time that they will experience this in their life. And to help them keep going, to keep seeking God, how to see God in the circumstance, how to say yes to his comfort and his promises in the midst of uncertainty is the journey of this book, is the journey that I think we all feel called to help our kids. We'd love it all to go away, but actually teaching them how to find God in uncertainty is one of the greatest gifts we can give them. Whatever they're experiencing now is a valuable opportunity to teach them how to walk through rather than just focus on the relief when it's over. It's so valuable to them. And so in the book, we're going to be exploring sort of key truths of who God is in uncertainty and change and anxiety and grief. Things like how God created a changing world. He was creative enough to create a changing world. And therefore, and he declared a changing world to be good. And so therefore there is goodness in what he can shape. That um, that God knows uncertainty is coming and is preparing for it. That he is working through things, even those those really awful things in our life, that he his goodness can change bad things for good. He can weave a future for us out of anything. That he is coming close to the brokenhearted. That he is a shepherding us and guiding us and providing us step by step. That he is trading us peace when we hand him our worry. That he inspires up to stand up for justice in the midst of things that shake us. That we can be powerful in the middle of uncertainty. That he is with us in the difficulty. That he is teaching us how to put down our stress um, even when the stress is happening, to put it down and sit with him for a moment. How he listens to us and responds. How he changes our hearts. How he hears our hearts cry. Even when we don't have words to express to him. How he gives us purpose and an invitation into what he's doing in the midst of it all. How he takes shame away from us how he loves us and gives us promises that all that one day all uncertainty will be surety and that death is not a final goodbye the bible is full of stories of people um, who are walking through uncertainty and change and grief and anxiety and god himself teaches us how to walk in it with him and shows us who he is in all of it and so the book will be out in early 2022, but until then, that that's just a resource. You are the resource for your kids, and you can right now equip your kids to walk in the midst of whatever uncertainty they're going through. Tell your stories, create windows into who God is in your anxiety and grief and uncertainty, where you see him and how you draw close to him and what he is doing and how he brings peace. 
The book uh, is officially called Comfort in Times of Uncertainty, Helping Children Draw Close to God Through Biblical Stories of Change, Anxiety, and Loss. It's just a resource to help what you are doing already in the ordinary every day. For our question today, um, I was having an individual conversation with a parent, which is why I don't have the question <laughs> written down. And uh, this parent uh, has a child um, who's absolutely fantastic, creative, and wonderful, and uh, really delightful. But also, uh, as part of the way his brain works, has ADHD and autism. And, uh, and their family really struggle with coming to a church service because of how um, their child normally engages with the world is not the way a service functions. And it makes it quite hard for the parents and for the child. And just as a family, that service isn't working. And so uh, the question sort of rose up to say, you know, is it is it worth us going through all of the stress of trying to participate in a service if it's not feeling worth it for anybody? And uh I just felt like I wanted to say something here. Um, again, I'm not an additional needs expert. I'm just someone who loves families and has worked with families. And so this is just one person's opinion. Uh, you have to you know, weigh it up and you have to consider what's right for your family. You're the expert in your family. But here's a few thoughts. Um, one, I just want to go in there and cut off all shoulds of expectations of what a family should do and what is right for a family should to do. I feel like sometimes um, we feel like we have to squeeze our family into the mold of expectations of Christi, not even Christianity, of, of what, what our brains tell us Christian families do. And um, I just want to say that if we put that down, then the stress isn't about how do we conform to what we feel we should be doing and more being able to take a step back and say how can I facilitate our family engaging with the blessing that is the church body um, the second point I want to make is yes your child needs church needs the gift that is church for our children but what that looks like is very different. That does not mean your kid has to come to a church service. Um, I just want to remind you of what church is about. It's about a place to draw near to God. It's a place to be loved and to love others. It's a place to be encouraged into all you're called to be and do. It's a place to be needed as part of the body of Christ, to be recognized as the powerful contributor um, to others. It's a place to... Um, be vulnerable and helped on our journey with God. And how that looks is completely up to you. That can be a small freestyle community. It could be outdoor walks with one person that your child loves. It can be 15 minutes of going to a house group where they are welcomed and that someone plays with them and they are delighted in and prayed for and then you leave. It could be showing up before the service uh, to, to meet people when the church, when the space is quiet and when the worship band is playing quietly just to experience the space, to be greeted and then to leave before it becomes stressful or to create a sensory space or a quiet room to relax in. Um, it does not have to look like anybody else. If going into a main service is, is a place that is not helpful for your child, 
what the question to ask is how can I help my kid draw near to God alongside other people who know them and love them? How can they love and be loved? How can they be encouraged by others and needed and, and empowered to be useful and contribute? And how can they be helped on their journey with God by others other than our family? And that may look vastly different. Be empowered to find the what church looks like for you. Um, my third point is that it's okay for you to need church too, whatever support you need. I would suggest you ask for it. Maybe the church can help. Maybe they can't. You know, sometimes our children need one-to-ones and the church children's ministry just can't provide it. Or maybe they can find a buddy for your kid. Sometimes uh, they are able to create space for you. Um, maybe it's about gathering three people who just will come to your home and pray over you and your family and to, to reduce the, the stress of travel. It's okay to set out spaces and terms that you need to access church by that may different from be different from other people and maybe different from your kid um, you need a church community to wrap around you and um, oftentimes church communities are willing to bend to help because they love you and the fourth thing I just want to say is to be confident in your choices and be willing to surf the waves and know that others may be willing to as well you know I, I knew one family um, who had a child uh, who was uh, nonverbal and uh, but really loved sound and so we would invite this family in uh, in a, this cavernous church that we had that had all these echoes and the kid loved echoes um, and so we would always create space for um, that family to come early and to give the child full reign of the space and uh, and he would he would yell and he would laugh and he would run around and I would lay with him on the carpet on the nave and we would um, laugh and touch things and touch the communion stuff and we would just explore it and make space and I would invite God in to play with us as we wandered around and it was 10-15 minutes of, of doing something but that was a beautiful place where other people would would be there quietly smiling and welcoming and praying over them and uh, and then I would pray for them as a family and we would just have this real peace of God there and then the family would sometimes stay and sometimes not, but there was a, a place of welcome and love for that family. That was what that family wanted. I know another family who, you know, sat with some additional needs coordinators at our church and we created a one-to-one -one program. Um, I know other people, um, one person when I was growing up was uh, someone in a wheelchair um, who uh, really just loved verbally responding to what the preacher was preaching. And, and it didn't come out in necessarily words, but, uh, oh, and our, our leader would talk to him and they would go back and forth. And uh, he really carried a, a presence. He joined the prayer ministry team and, and would just sit there. Even though he couldn't minister with words, he ministered with his heart. And it was beautiful. And I remember growing up as a child being prayed for by him and those who were um, with him on the team and just being really blessed by his ministry. And so the question is, what do you think would be right for your family? And teach us as a community what we can do to help. We might not be able to fix it. We might not be able to do all the things. But trust that the church community loves you and your family. And we will try. Um, we will try. Because your child and you need church. But it may look different than, than other people. Because that's what fits your family best. And that is a great thing to know. And to be confident in. That this isn't about forming into somebody else's idea of church. It's about saying, what does church look like for us? And letting the church be a part of that exciting journey for your family.
So in this week's books you don't have time to read, I want to talk about a book that I've actually been reading for about six months and haven't quite finished. And to be completely honest, I bought it for the title and it is called Mama Bear Apologetics, Empowering Your Kids to Challenge Cultural Lies. And uh, yeah, who wouldn't buy a book called Mama Bear Apologetics? But basically, it's a book about apologetics, which isn't just those big debates about is God real or creation versus evolution. It's, uh, I would say, knowing and sharing what the biblical truth is about something, particularly if other people are saying the opposite. So we'll give you a really quick synopsis. Um, essentially, the authors, and there's a whole group of them, and there's a website as well, uh, lay out what 11 lies they see culture telling our kids. So lies like there's no absolute truth. The idea that, you know, you, you can't. All truths relative. So I can have a different truth to you and that's OK. Um, follow your heart. It won't let me down. And all religions are basically the same. So 11 things like that. And actually, I realised that I'd recognised what they were, but probably not naming them. So the sort of stuff we see in popular culture, maybe movies, memes, but just the way people talk, you know. And then for each one of those, they explore it biblically, um, expose the lie and then make suggestions of how you could coach your kids about this so that they can see the biblical truth. Now, what I really liked about this book was the idea that culture lies to us. And again, I think I was kind of aware of that vaguely, but now I'm much clearer in my head and I'm like looking for the lie. Um, you know, when, when you see something on Facebook or your kid comes home from school with something, there's a little bit in my brain going, oh, is that a, is that a lie that a culture is telling them? Um, I also really, really like the positive message that as mama bears, we can help our kids navigate their way through this culture um, so that they, although they're immersed in it and they're living in it, they can come out the other side understanding what the Bible truth is about it. So we can really equip them to navigate themselves. And actually, you know what, if if apologetics is something you're interested in and you want to delve into it, I would say this is a great place to start. It's a really well written book. It's really witty and funny, which I enjoyed. And at times I was laughing out loud and it was deep and there was loads and loads of wisdom in there. But it is dense and requires a lot of your brain and time. I mean, I've kind of been dipping in and out for about six months now. And um, I would say, though, there is a study guide you can buy alongside it, which I think would be helpful if you really wanted to get deep into the book. To be honest, the book has left me feeling a little bit anxious or it did at first because it's not I'm not finding it a particularly easy read. It's a good read, but it does take concentration and there's a lot of ideas which for me are very new so you know what it's like when you get loads of new ideas or little slippery things that kind of wiggle away and you have to go back and try and understand them again and so then I had this big question what if I don't understand this well enough to help my kid who's living in this world and I you know then I'm like oh it's my responsibility to help her but then I I sat back a bit and I thought you know what these authors are like highly qualified medical doctors who know how to diagnose and treat everything from a little graze knee to a horrible disease and you know, it's a bit like that most of us are just average parents and carers when it comes to first aid we've not got medical degrees 
But we're absolutely fab at looking after our kids when they fall over or when they hurt themselves or they're not feeling very well. We've got a first aid box. We we know how we were um, looked after when we had a temperature or something. We're pretty good at sensing when something's a bit more serious or we ring up granny or a friend. We know how to consult consult the NHS website or Google. You know, so so normally most of the time, we can tackle a problem as it comes up and find a way through it that works for us. Um, but when we don't know, we go to an expert. And that's when we go to these highly qualified medical doctors. And we're in the same boat, I think. For me, this is saying most of the time, this book's been really helpful. It's like being top tips for first aid. It's giving me some really new eyes to look at things. I don't quite grasp everything, but I, I'm beginning to be able to spot things which maybe don't quite feel right. And then I can dip into my own tool, my own first aid box, if you like, and, and sort of create windows into how I feel about this and, and uh, what happened when I believe this or didn't believe it or something around that. And I, I can explore that with my kid, maybe. And when I really don't know the answer, I've got a community around me that is wise. You've got people at church, you've got pastors, you've got grandparents, godparents, all these other people who are living in this same culture as, as we do and can explore it. And finally, I've got a God who I can connect with and ask these tough questions too. And one of the things I've always enjoyed is that verse in John uh, 6, 16, 13, I think it is, where uh, Jesus says just before he dies, he says, I'm going to send you another like the Holy Spirit who will lead you into all truth. So that's my views on Mum Bear Apologetics. Fab book. It's been really helpful and uh, I don't know whether you're going to read it. If you do, I hope you enjoy it. And a question to start an interesting conversation with your family is this. Uh, Rachel's writing a book on comfort in uncertainty, but I haven't told you any of the stories that are in it. What stories would you put in a book? about comfort in uncertainty that would show who God is when you're grieving, when you're anxious, or when mass change is happening. What story do you think should be in the book? Have a good conversation. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you. Mm-hmm.